Hallelujah. Good to see you here this morning. It's good to be here with you. Good to open up the Word of God together. Amen. Did you yeah. come in expecting to hear from the Holy Spirit? Yes. You know, the worship prepares our heart to hear you. Yeah, so speaking are, of worship and prayer, you know, it's, mark your calendar. That's going to be a, a, a really uh, awesome time. You're going to be able to sense the presence of God, and you're going to go deeper. This is, this is what we want to do. We want to make disciples. And I'm encouraging you to come to prayer. Uh, if you kind of are hesitant in that because you might not know how to pray, that's fine. There's many people who do know how to pray that will come in and just sit in the presence of God. Yeah. And no one will ask you to pray. You could just sit and be, like you said. But if you want to pray. But if, certainly if you want to add your, your heart and your voice into the prayer, yeah, we welcome that. This is the body of Christ. You know, and so I know sometimes that can be intimidating to speak up, even in a prayer meeting when there's not a microphone, you're just... But, but it's good for us to learn to open our heart and in our mouth and express our yes. love towards God. It's amazing the little the barriers that we can break through in the spirit when we do that in so many ways, because then it seems as though at home we can do it a little bit easier, or with another person we can do it yeah. a little easier. So, some, so we, we're inviting you to come into that atmosphere where you can... Hear it happen, hear other people just praying spontaneously around the Word uh -huh. of God. And you'll be blessed. The Holy Spirit, I know, will speak to you as you come expecting. And so we are in a series. Uh, we began last week in the, uh, the epistle of 1 John. So if you want to open up your Bible there, or your electronic device, go to 1 John. Uh, we're going we're gonna to run through the first chapter again. We, we spent some time introducing it last week. Uh, and we decided, you know, we like to, throughout the year, do books of the Bible. Topical sermons are good. Topics are important. But sometimes you're not going to necessarily hit every person's situation in the topic. But one thing we can be sure of when we open up the Word of God, reading through the Word of God line by line, mm -hmm. we know is sure to speak to everyone in every situation. Amen. God can take His Word and craft it, feed you <laughs> from His Word just what you need today. And this is why He likens it to spiritual food. The Word of God is bread to us, mm -hmm. living water to us. And who doesn't need bread and water, right? Come on. Right. And so Paul, let's just pray before we begin. Father, we do love your word. We declare that we love your yes. word. We declare that we come before you spiritually hungry and thirsty. We want to learn of you. Yes. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to feed us this morning. Feed our minds, feed our hearts, give us revelation of what your word is saying to us to help us to grow spiritually, to be nourished and changed. To be, our lives will be transformed as they're renewed and we walk in your word to help us to walk in the light. Jesus says, you're in the light, so we can have this genuine fellowship with you. In, in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start reading from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That is that which was from the beginning, mm. which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Verse 2, the life was made manifest and we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. 
And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Mm -hmm. This is the message that we've heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The Apostle John wrote, uh, of course, the Gospel of John. He wrote First, uh, Second, and Third John, and the Book of Revelation. And in this particular book, and this actually, it's kind of like a letter, more of a letter than a teaching. It's kind of talking to the family of God. He gives reasons, five reasons, why he wrote this particular book of the Bible. And he says, number one, he, it's found in uh, verse three. He says, so that we experience a common fellowship with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. We talked last week about uh, the problem that was coming in when John wrote this was uh, uh, Gnosticism coming into the church. Uh, the Gnostics believe that indeed Jesus was the son of God, but he didn't really come in the flesh. He wasn't all man, but he was all divine. Uh, then he, they also teach that there's something more than the teachings of Jesus. This is the hidden wisdom that you have to seek out, mystical ways to know God and find the truth. And uh, John's purpose for writing this letter was to keep uh, a common unity between the brothers and sisters, a fellowship around the true gospel. <laughs> and uh, then the second purpose he wrote is in verse 4. Our common fellowship together with the Father and the Son so that our joy may be full. And that's joy collectively. It isn't John just saying, I'm writing this so I can be happy. He's writing this so that we can be fellow partakers of the joy that this eternal life brings to us. And it's important for us to understand that God wants our joy to be full. But he's opened an avenue on how to do it. And so when we yield ourselves to his word and his ways, this is where we're going to find joy. This is where we're going to find true life. And the third reason he says here, and, and this is going to be in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I write these things that you may not sin. That's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> All right, I'm getting into that. I'm going to pay attention right here. <laughs> John was concerned about the fellowship a person has with God the Father, and that fellowship is hindered and uh, kind of broken when they continually walk in sin. And, and, the only, and not only just with God, but with one another. We can, we can offend somebody, and if we don't recognize and, and cause that to uh, be healed, if we don't repent and, and you know, stop 
that breaks a fellowship that what God wants us to have. It's a true fellowship that we have the opportunity to have a fellowship with God Almighty, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. This is, this is amazing. So we've got to understand that this is a really important part. We don't want to sin because we want to stay in that joy of fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So then another purpose in writing the book comes in 1 John 2.26 where he, he writes there, mm -hmm. that I write that you may not be deceived, that, that you won't be deceived. And so we, we mentioned this last week, just the church at that time was experiencing heretical teachings that were coming into the church, becoming a part of the church. And John writes really warning, he said that many antichrists are, are right. really that's a word for a false teacher. You have gone out from among us and are going to work deception and by what they're teaching and how they're living. And so scripture actually, not just in 1 John, but we see various places in scripture where we're yes. warned about false teachings getting into the church and deceiving people. And especially in the last days, and we, are, we believe we're in the last of the last days, that there will be even a greater rise in it. It's always sort of cycled through the church, antichrist or heretical things. Yes. But at the end of the age, there's going to be a greater rise in it. And scripture gives warning to this. And a heresy really is something that's not necessarily like blatantly wrong. It's not like you can recognize it. Like that is absolutely wrong. It can be a slight deviation there you off go. of something that is dominantly accepted as orthodoxy in Scripture. So it's basically like straying off of the ancient path. And so it's not easy to recognize heresy necessarily because it's truth mixed with a little bit of air, uh -huh. all right? And Charles Spurgeon, I thought, put this great, said this greatly. Uh, he said discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. I mean, again, that's pretty easy sometimes. Yeah. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. <laughs> because people say, well, it's almost right. It's almost, you know, cut me a break. It's all, well, almost right. <laughs> scripture is really not okay. Because it right. will not get you to the right destination. Yes. I mean, think about it this way. Like, if you intend to fly, you hire somebody to fly you from Pittsburgh to Seattle, and that pilot sets the flight controls just almost right. <laughs> maybe two degrees off to the north. Well, at first you're flying, you might be over Chicago, it's like everything's still looking like you're going in the right direction, but that two degrees as you go hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles more, mm -hmm. you will not land in Seattle. You'll be somewhere up in British Columbia somewhere. <laughs> and so that two degrees yes. Come on now. off, that little slight error makes a difference. And so John is writing, as we're going to see as we get into the book, to pay attention that you are not deceived. And then, and then the fifth purpose for writing, mm -hmm. go back to that other slide that we had before that, is that you would know, John writes, that you would know that you have eternal life by believing in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That we would have assurance that our salvation brings us eternal life now. Like sometimes people think, well, when I get to heaven, I'll experience eternal life. But eternal life begins when we're saved. Yes. Because think about what Jesus said in John in the Gospel of John 17, 3. This is eternal life. 
I mean, I remember when I first started to read the Bible, it's like, what? He's going to tell us what eternal life is. This is eternal life. And then he says, to know <laughs> the Father and the Son whom he sent. Wow. So as I know Jesus, and you get to know him, the fellowship begins with salvation, obviously. Yeah. So this is eternal life. Eternal life comes with salvation. And then we are supposed to continue in the word of God to be touched and changed by his spirit. Amen. It even says in 1 John 3, as we will read in the weeks ahead, Beloved, now are you the right. children of God. Right. Now right. we are children of God. Now God has adopted us into his family. Yes. And in this epistle, we're going to see how many times John addresses the church as a family. He uses the word father 13 times, depending on your translation, but 13 times right. in five chapters addresses... God is our Father, and He says little children 11 times. Yeah, yeah. So you can see that we're to understand the church as yes. a family relationship that we enter God's family, but we're also, He talks about it as a family together in a, in a local family like this, a church family. Right. Well, throughout the New Testament, we see that we are called the church, and we are a body of believers in Jesus Christ, and He has blessed us, the Bible declares, with all spiritual blessings blessings in the heavenly realms. The church also has been raised up and made to sit together with Jesus Christ. And we have this this I would call it a privileged position when we believe in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us these things are, are given to us as believers uh, yet we have to understand that the position that we're in is is not just simply for our own benefit. Amen? Yeah. My privileged position isn't where I am placed immediately with Christ and then I'm doing my own thing. You know, I'm born again. I'm set in a privilege. I'm, I'm immediately brought into the family of God. And there's responsibilities for a family. God wants the church to be a family and function like a good, healthy family. We are a member of the family. And we believe wholeheartedly that that same idea that God has presented for an individual family should be also played out in the local church. You know, let's face it, God has set his attention on the family from the very beginning. From the very beginning, it's his plan and his desire. And we've got to understand that we are his children on earth and we are part of the family. And a strong family actually is the fundamental building block of society. Let's put it that way. You know, and we have a family and our family, we're supposed to be able to experience love. Amen. See love in action. Yes, for sure. And we are to show love to one another. And we've got to understand this isn't the world's definition of love. We discover what God's definition of love is as it's revealed in the scriptures. And so God has the... Yes. It's a self-sacrifice. My love is for your benefit. Uh, who did he say the greatest in the kingdom is? A servant of all. This is the type of love once we understand the love of God that has been shed abroad in all believers' hearts. We have this kind of love. 
So all we have to do is just actually let it loose, build ourselves up in the word so that we can just understand the joy of being a servant to someone else. But there's, there's something that's really uh, important for us to understand is that a, a family, God's designed for a family to be on mission for him together. He wants that family unit to expand his kingdom. It's working together. And there's, there's two essential things that we're, God presents as a family. And the number one thing is it's a marriage. Marriage between a biological man, biological woman. It's amazing you have to say that. Yeah. It, it, but then the next purpose is to, to have children. It's parenthood. And then you raise up that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God, throughout his whole word, teaches that parents are to bring those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, help them to understand who God is and the life that he offers. But this is where things break down. This is where our society has broken yeah, down. Yeah. The, the, the whole, think about it, the whole traditional family unit as God's designed it to be as we know it. Like just like what Pastor Steve was describing, the a, a marriage covenant between a man and a woman, mm -hmm. lifelong. I mean, it's it's suffered. I would say our the family unit here in this nation and around the world has taken a beating. Slowly, really, it's been dismantled in yeah. people's minds. The the significance of what the traditional family has always been known to be. And it really has sped up when you think about it. I mean, when, when legalization of gay marriage happened in 2015, the acceptance of homosexuality was, just began to get really integrated inside of our culture. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, besides for the obvious issues with the breakdown in family of just, we say heterosexual immorality that's just widely accepted, people living together outside of marriage and just raising children outside of marriage and all these things. You know, now we have other issues that face even the church. Like we've got families, I mean, we've got ordination of, you know, homosexual ministers, which are inviting in all kinds of different ways that people can have what we've traditionally called a family unit between Biological yeah. man. So now we have two, say, woman. let's say, lesbian mothers raising children. So now a child can have two moms, and that's their family unit. Or two men who are gay, and now they have a child would say, I have two dads. And that's become more of the norm. And then now we add in the whole transgender mm. ideology, where you have families with a father, well, let's say a transgender father, if I get this right, because it does confuse me. It does. Like, it's a transgender father is a woman who became a man through some hormonal means. Right. But these people are actually having children, still a womb, because the woman would still have a womb, and birth a child. And so now this child would call this person who looks like a man through hormonal means the dad, but the dad could say, I birthed you is madness. <laughs> it's, 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 it's happening, but it's madness, it's, and this is what the culture has been producing, and if you speak up about it, you're the one with the strange, you're the, 
transphobic and all the other names that, that people toss around because we're supposed to think that it's all okay. And it's not. And it's not. And it's not okay. And so the church should be a place where we come and get our heads on straight. Come on. (laughs) And we can talk about these things. Because we need to talk about them. Because teenagers and and children and teens are growing up watching these things happen on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. I mean, and now children, you know, as young as 12 or the whole thing, prescribed puberty blockers. But by 14, many... Many of them are now without parental consent even being necessary, allowed to begin surgical, what I would call mutilation of their bodies, changing. And we already know, you know, the transitioners, you see this whole rising. We haven't seen, in 20 years we'll understand what this little portion of time was here that we're experiencing in our culture. Time will show us. Actually, Europe is actually slowing it all down. Yeah, Europe has actually stopped the hormonal therapy. Yeah, they've already seen because they started it before the U.S. did. They've already seen the damage that it's created in their youth. But Washington State, here in this country, just moved in that direction where parental consent would not necessarily be necessary for a minor to begin these procedures in their body. And the thing about it is one out of 20, here's the stat, I was just looking this up, one out of 20 in an age group of 30 and under are now exploring alternative sexuality. One out of 20, all right? And so the bisexuality, non-binary, you know, people that say I'm non-binary, transgender identifying people are predominantly all under the age of 30. Mm -hmm. And we've got... YouTube sites, TikTok sites, we've got Instagram with mil- hundreds, I don't know how many sites, there's got to be multiple, multiple hundreds of them. And I bring this up because I didn't know Mr. Beastie. How many of you have ever heard of Mr. Beastie? Anybody in here? Okay, you, you were as clueless as I was. Truly nobody? Anybody? No. I see one hand, a couple hands. This is really pretty dangerous, guys. Listen to this. You know, this, this, this is a channel that I wrote, I looked it up this morning, 147 million followers. That's a lot of followers. I mean, some people are trying to work towards 1 million. He has 147 million followers on his channel. And his friend, Mr. Beastie's friend, this is just all I can glean from the little that I know, who, who was once married, he did, the, he did some of the, the stuff on his channel, was married, had a young son, but began to transition into becoming a female. And he's now separated from his wife, now pictured with his new husband on this channel. And it's, this stuff is, it's all okay. In other words, it's like, well, I just watch it because it's funny. It's like, it's, people will say that. Well, I'm not paying attention to that. Yeah, your young people are paying attention to this. Because with 147 million followers, it's captivating the minds of our young people to believe, and it's patterning their mind after the spirit of the age. And it's a demonic spirit. We have to understand this is not just happening because people somehow like it. We've been talking about this over and over again, about the war in the heavenlies, the spiritual war that we are in the midst of right now. Yes. And we mentioned Jonathan Kahn some months ago, the return of the gods. He talked in his book about the goddess Ishtar, a Sumerian god from ancient Egypt, you know, centuries ago. 
But it was interesting, I just wanna read you something that he said from his book that this ancient spirit, demon, spirit Ishtar, this is quoting from the writings of the tablets. I, she says of herself, I am a woman, I am a man and could be viewed as a beautiful goddess of love who rules the day and as a bearded god of war who rules the night. You goddess have the power to turn a man into a woman and turn a woman into a man. And apparently according to the, the ancient worship right. around <laughs> this demon goddess, men dressed as women in drag, you know, in this temple area, they, they would call them transvestites. Now we call them drag queens. And I think people are... Children are being taught to open their minds to this. Like some of you might sit there and go, what are you talking about? No, this is real, this yeah. is happening. And there are many parents, you know, it's not just the children that are getting destroyed, it's the parents also yeah. that are traumatized by this. And it's destroying family as we know it, as God has designed it. And so we talk about, this is why when, as we began to read and asking, praying, asking the Holy Spirit about this, it's like, wow. The fact that the, the, the Apostle John would say, we have fellowship you know, with the Father mm -hmm. and the Son, and then he talks about children and fathers. We need to understand what this is all about. Yes. Because there are so many broken families in in the world yeah. who come into the body of Christ and that's okay. The it church is. can be like a hospital, like you come in broken and we're here to help people see the truth. But it's going to get harder and harder as the world pushes, no, this is the truth. This is this person's truth, you shouldn't infringe on it, make them feel offended. Well, we've got to help people find the light. And this is, this is part of walking in the light. And, we, and really, many of us, as we come into the church and we begin to read the word of God, you have to relearn and be yes. taught what family life is really designed to be, how the Father God designed it to be. How many of us have ever read Ephesians 5 and thought, yeah, that's how my marriage functions? <laughs> go read Ephesians 5 and you'll see what I'm talking about. And then go to 6, too. Yeah. <laughs> Husbands, you know, it's having the authority, the wife submitting, but then the husband is laying down his life for That's his right. wife, and the wife is, you know, submitting and yielding to that kind of leadership. It's like, wait, wait, whoa. I remember when I first read it, it was like, this is not how my family life was. And then I thought, is this what our marriage is supposed to be like? We had a lot to learn. You better listen. <laughs> 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 but it you better says, lay down your life. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> God is asking the wife to respect her husband. And God is telling the husband, you laid down your life for her. Yeah, then it's easy for the woman to respect yep. the husband. It's like, now the order is right. But see, Correct. even when we come into the church, we don't understand these things. And it takes, this is what this chapter yep. is really going to help us with because it's, it starts to say, if you say you walk in the light, but you're walking in darkness, you're... You're the yeah. Same, yeah, and you're, you're, the truth is not in you. So let's yeah. open up our ears. Yeah. Here, and look at Ephesians 6. Let's look well, wait this. a second. You know, I want to say families are about, you know, loving relationships. They are. Every family has roles. They share responsibilities, you know, showing honor and respect. There's yeah. lines of authority that God has ordained for a family. And yeah, it's submitting true. ourselves to God's authority as we walk. 
walk with him. This is the fellowship that God wants us to have. Yeah. You know, when we do it God's way, there's a promised blessing for everybody. That's right. And here's it is, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Here we go. We're going to talk about kids. Children, this is a mandate. This is not a suggestion. Everybody thinks that the Bible is like a democracy. Well, I'll vote this way or vote that way. Yeah. There's no voting, folks. None. There's no voting. This is God and that he'll let you run your course. And when you run your course, you're going to stand before him and you'll know right there you blew it. But this is, we're, we're, it's like, you need to ask God to shock you now, not later when you stand before him. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, show me my faults now, Lord, yeah. so that I don't carry them and I'm standing yeah. before you and I'm just melting because I know that I've done it wrong. Yeah. I don't want to waste my life and we don't want you to waste your lives either. Amen. Right. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now listen to this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here we are. We are mandated. Children are mandated. This is just, this is how it goes. You want blessing? Yeah, I want blessing. Here, let's just ask God to help us. And then you just submit to God's way. Fathers, here, you know, it begins, all this begins with the leadership of the family and it goes from the top down. And dads, you're ordained by God himself to be the head of your house. You are the spiritual leader of your house. Here's the good news about that. You might not say, well, I don't really know very much about this. Well, that's right. You learn. And the key is God has ordained you. He's anointed you to do it. You have the ability to do it. God is not going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. So where's the responsibility? You can't be saying, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. <laughs> but it, this is how the, the family blessing comes. It starts from the top down. It's more than just bringing their kids to church. You know, that's good. It is good. But it's also teaching. It's lovingly correcting them. It's about living a godly life in front of them as the example. And understanding that we don't do it all right, but yet when your kids see you ask, let's say you blast out at your kids, and you, the key is, is that ah, the Holy Spirit will convict you when you're doing wrong. So then you go back to your child. I, dad was upset. Dad let his anger get out of control, and I'm sorry. Now, do you notice that the kids are supposed to obey your parents in the Lord? If, if there's violence and stuff like that happening in the house, you, you need to get out of that house. Dads, moms, you it's need to... It's not submitting to violence. No, this is it's not. not submitting to sin, violence. This is, we're giving our lives to God. We want fellowship with God Almighty. 
So what we're doing is we're going to yield ourselves to him. Amen? Mm -hmm. So how did we get in this mess? How did we get in this mess? Because you've got to admit it's a mess. It really is. I think it's because over generations, dads become absentee. They, they, they fall into the, the world system as though money is the big key. Money and buying your kids things is, is how you're going to make them feel like they're loved and giving them things. Uh, and that took priority. Finances took priority. Even they were, we were tricked into saying, no moms, you need to go to work too. Let the state teach yeah. your kids. Yeah. How about that thing in Washington? state of Washington, if you disagree with your child's transgender surgery, the state now has the ability to come and take your kids away from you. That's the law. That's the law. That's the law. Breaking down the family. <laughs> but we've been tricked. It's been happening for centuries, decades. You know, we left the spiritual needs, moms and dads, we left the spiritual needs of our kids up to the church. But then if church wasn't a priority to you, then guess what? They didn't go. And your kids would be happy to sit there on TikTok and sit there on, ha, 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 look how funny this is. Do you know there's subliminal messages coming through that stuff to talk to your kids about, oh, you're probably a girl or you're probably a boy. You know, sex isn't yeah. bad. What is it? The... the United Nations is now trying to push a thing. Uh, young kids, like 10 to 12, uh, that should be a legal age for the United Nations for six. United Nations. We've got to understand where we are in this time period, yeah. folks. As the days of Noah, this is where we are. This is why we have to get ourselves given over to this book. Amen? Yeah. So we now we see because of, of dads had really kind of abandoned their responsibility, we see the mess we're in right now. You know, dads were missing. And the key is, is that, well, we didn't know the word of God. We, we, we didn't show the example of being a godly dad. And the kids grew up that way. We didn't train the kids. We just yelled at them or smacked them or just said, do this, I'm going to do this. I'm busy, I'm going to the golf course. Yes. But God intended to bless a family unit when we submit to him and walk in his ways. It's truly a blessing. But I'm speaking mostly to dads because I, I, I am a dad. I'm a grandpa. And I have a huge responsibility, and that responsibility sits on my shoulder, and I'm not going to avoid that responsibility when I stand before Jesus Christ. It's, it's not, you know? <laughs> so here it is. How do we get here? Well, I guess the better question is how do we get out of here? <laughs> yeah, that's the better one. Yeah, that's the better question. How do we get out of here? Well, let's go back to the Word of God. We started off with this in chapter 1. Look at verse 5. It says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship him with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. God's calling every single one of us to walk in the light, yeah. to walk in the truth. Yeah. And um, we have that fellowship with him. Yeah. And he alone, really by the Holy Spirit, is the only one that can lead any of us in our life truth. out of the confusion of sin in our life and darkness right. into the light. But, but to do that, we have to go from darkness to light. I mean, really, that's what happens at salvation. He translated out, us out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light, yep. right? And so truth, light brings truth with it. That's what happened at a salvation again. It's like, ah, I'm a sinner. I need, I need a savior. And so it's dark to light. Yes. And this continues to work out in our life, this same pattern. But it can be hard to face truth and God shines light on dark places in your don't life. Don't we know that? Don't we know it's, that? It is hard. I mean, things that have been hidden in darkness, you don't see and you're okay with it. It's like, have you ever gone into a, a room, like let's say a bathroom, like you look in the mirror under your face at something that's high wattage, like if you've got like 10 LED lights or these bright ones now, they're like daylight and you look at yourself. Like, you know, if you come into a bathroom, let's say, and the light is off or it's just daylight in the background and you're looking from a distance, you look at yourself, it's like, yeah, I look pretty good, you know. And then you flick that light on a little close, it's like, ah, is this what I really look like? Like wrinkles and flaws and dark spots and just all these things you see, it's like, I don't like to turn off the light. That looks better now, right? Because darkness, you know, we can just sort of hide in the darkness. Yep. It's like, like, bars i think i like bars in these places where they do drugs this is why the lighting's always dim yeah it just makes it easier like we don't want to see the stuff that is is nasty we heard of a pastor one time he wrote in his book about they rented a facility for their church services he was in los angeles and he said they used it as a bar saturday night and then sunday morning they came in and and rented the facility for a church and he said man you know at night i'm sure it had this ambiance and this you know bewitching atmosphere like in the dark all the lights are glittering it looked pretty cool he said but man in daylight when you flicked on those lights it was like oh this place smells and it's, you just see the dirtiness of it all he's like it needs a cleanup amen so coming into the light with god if you've been, if areas in our life have been in darkness for a while, we draw back. It's understandable that we draw back and uh -huh. we kind of resist and we make excuses. And, and so it's not easy, but so we're talking about though coming into relationship, yes. you know, in, in God's family that, you know, we, we've got to let the Holy Spirit search our heart, bring light. Yeah, we, because that's what we want. We want to be united with him. We, that's the fight that we want to have and maintain is that we're united with the living God. We have that united heartbeat with Jesus Christ himself and with one another because we are in the family. You know, I'm going to talk to dads again, men. You know, we've got to allow the, like what Pastor Mamie said, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to get on us. All right, here I am. I'm, I know, I know right now, I'm not perfect. I know that there are areas in my life that need to be fixed. And so I'm going to be brave enough to allow the Holy Ghost to show me. Yeah. You know what's so awesome about the Holy Ghost? 
Jesus said this. He says, I have so much to show you, but you're unable to take it at this time. (laughs) He's talking to me. (laughs) So he takes us one step at a time. Yes, that's it. You know, listen, we... Dads, moms, dads, don't let TikTok and Facebook and all that give your answers to your kid. Because it's the spirit of the world that they're going to get. You need to take the time. And this this means you take time. You take time to get to know their heart. Explore their heart with them. Explore their heart. Understand, you know, find out what your real struggle is. Honestly, everything's okay. You know, when our kids were growing up, we asked, how was, how was your day today? Oh, it was good. Do you know what, Ben's back there. You know what I made them do? I, I, we're sitting at the dinner table. We ate together. Okay, tell, and that was the thing. Oh, it was good. Everything was fine. It was great. I said, okay, now, Ben, tell me what happened as soon as you walked out the door to go to school. <laughs> First period. <laughs> Second period. Third period. I mean, you, why? I want to get his heart. And why? Because there are struggles that these kids have. Today, we never had these kind of struggles. That's right. I mean, not at all. But yet, a human heart... We need to guide them into the truth of God's word. You know, we find it God's word because we want to draw them into the light too. That's right. And as we draw them into the light, we can point them to the answers that are found in the word of God, the wisdom that's found in the word of God. It will protect them through this difficult time that they're living in. It'll help them through their own dark struggles. You know they have them. And when they start to apply the word of God, what will happen is that they will obtain wisdom from above. And it keeps moving forward to a place where they then become leaders. Leaders to their generation. Because there's plenty of people that will follow anybody. And that's the danger. But if we know what we're doing, if we teach this to the kids, then they will be able to lead people into the light. Yeah. Oh, boy, we need that. Yeah. And here it is. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have what? Fellowship Fellowship with with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I mean, this is how we partake of the rich fellowship that God wants. There's, there's, you know how we always say, well, that guy has a really great relationship with God. Boy, he really knows God. He really knows God. Guess what? Yeah. Yeah. You you can too. And, And that's important. Because we need that rich fellowship with one another, and we need that rich fellowship with God the Father. That we want our family to come into the same light that we're walking in. Yeah. You know, this word fellowship is the Greek word for is koinonia. Most of us have heard that word somewhere along the way. Koinonia. That's the word for fellowship that's Uh used here, that we have this koinonia with one another. It comes from a root word that means like partnering or companion, sharing the things of Christ together. 
you know, sometimes we've heard like in the church, oh, there's going to be a men's fellowship or a women's fellowship. But that doesn't necessarily mean that koinonia is happening. Right. Because koinonia has this deeper meaning of more than just associating in a friendship with people. That's all fine and good. But koinonia is this deeper sharing of your, your heart, your life, uh, your view, like mm-hmm. your possessions. It could be, this is part of like what it means to become a part of a family. It's like you're helping, you're sharing, you're giving, you're loving. We're to be doing that with the Father, and, and then we're supposed to have this koinonia together. Yep. That, so it's, it goes full circle. We're to offer it to the people around us in a family. That's what he said brings the joy. He said that our joy would be complete. Yes. And I believe that anybody who's done that with people in the church has found that they've grown. When you really begin to give your heart and you commit to a group of people as a family and you're sharing your life, you're helping and you're receiving, there's something of the spirit of Christ that comes to build your spirituality. It's so true, and I, and I don't know why pe- we, there are people come into the church, they get saved, but for many reasons, I think because of how broken we are, we just resist going that deep. It's like, I don't want you to really know my cracks and my flaws. You're going to turn the light on, <laughs> and then you're going to probably not like me. <laughs> but, that, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's so, right? yeah, listen, and, it, is, it is kind of scary to come into the light. It really is. And that's normal. Yeah. That's normal. Yeah. But we've got to get into the light because when we get into the light, what happens, the weight of all of that gets removed by Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. start to live in the light as he is in the light. Yeah. Again, we've all sinned and fallen yeah. short of the glory of God. Yeah. The, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. Yeah. Verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Yeah. And the truth is not in us. Yeah. We, you know, we have to, all of us, we have to let Scripture cut us deeply. Yeah, cut the heart. It's, yeah. yeah, because Jesus says that he'll prune you to bear more fruit. Pruning is not something that's fun. Yeah. You know, we, we all have wounds, every single one of us. Yeah. But we go to the healer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And believe it or not, the Spirit of Christ is in each one of us. And instead of just running out after church, get to know one another because guess what? Your answer might be coming from an unlikely source. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's the fellowship that we want. And I'm telling you, these days we're going to need this fellowship because the world has gone crazy. Yeah, yeah. And what will happen is that they'll, and just like a predator, you know the devil is, he'll try to isolate you and get you away from the herd, so to speak, and then he'll destroy you. That's why we need each other. We must be willing to come into this koinonia with God and with one another. God says that he gives grace to the humble, and it takes humility to admit your sin, Mm -hmm. your flaws, your weaknesses your trespasses before God 
But this is, it's an interesting paradox because as we do this with the Lord, we come into the light and then we have greater fellowship. So we have to learn the ways of God. If we confess our sins, this is all part of this chapter. If we confess our sins, if we admit them before God, and even to one another. Yes. You know, there are often very broken relationships within the church, not just this way, but this way. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and do what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's something beautiful that comes with repentance, with confession of sin. We resist it, but boy, when you walk through that barrier, the relationship gets so much richer and deeper. Yes. This is what the Lord's calling His church to, that we would not be afraid of the light, that we are people of the light. We were born to walk in the light. Amen. And so, Father, I pray you help us this morning. I pray that we just take a moment before you, you know, Amanda, when she came up and gave that word that God had put on her heart during worship, that the Spirit of God is here. He loves you. He's drawing you. But it does require honesty. And so we come before you, Lord, with honest hearts. And we ask you, Father, and I just ask you to just explore your heart with the Lord right here. Are there places, things that you need to ask him to forgive you of? Mm-hmm. And then ask him, just quietly, sitting there yourself, just commune with the Father in your heart. Father, forgive me for saying that, for doing that, for this attitude, for this unforgiveness I have in my heart. We want to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And then, Lord, I pray that you would show us broken relationships in our lives that you desire to bring reconciliation and wholeness. We can just confess our sin that I'm walking in unforgiveness. I can conf- confess that to you. Lord, help me. Help me, God. Give me grace to just begin to say, I forgive that person. You can do that as an act of your will. Just in obedience because you're a child of light. Yes. I forgive that person. And just let the Holy Spirit begin to, to work his grace in your heart. Just be willing to say it. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for the wonderful fellowship that we have with you, Holy Spirit, as we walk in the light with you. Father, I pray that we would experience that joy, that uh, the joy that you promised, that it would be made complete in us as we walk as children of light. Heal and restore, Lord. Bring the freedom, Father, that we're all searching for, but help us to walk it out your way. It's wonderful, Lord, that in this whole process, we're not alone in it. You're helping us. And our brothers and sisters are willing to help us also. We talked a little bit about standing before Jesus. And you know, everybody who's ever breathed a breath will stand before Jesus and give an account of their life. And if you're here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus, you you know, you might you might be religious. Everything looks good on the outside, but the inside's still rotten. You go in like a pumpkin. You cut the top out, and inside is a bunch of goo. And the only way that it gets cleaned up is when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Repent. Turn from your sin in that 
inside is cleansed, if we, made brand new. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus and get free from what's holding you back, I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so that I can see it. And then we'll pray a prayer and you'll be born again. It's amazing what God will do with a little bit of faith.